It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Where are you coming from in this one? Your 100% essential download. Jim White and Simon Jordan. You let this get out of control. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Sam Matterface and I was joined by Danny Murphy and Alex Crook on today's show as Jim and Simon enjoyed a well-earned break. We discussed the future of Paul Pogba and asked whether he'll return to the Premier League. Calvin Phillips has told TalkSport that he's using Jack Grealish as an example of how to be successful in his second season at Manchester City. And Tyson Fury is set to face the UFC fighter Francis Ngannou in Saudi Arabia. But is anyone actually interested in that fight? What a goal from Paul Pogba. It's brilliant. It's absolutely sensational, that equaliser from Paul Pogba. You, you never know what you're going to get with him. You never know what player is going to come back after a tournament or what player is going to turn up at the beginning of the following season. But I do think he was a player that other very good players, top players, would have enjoyed playing with. He was that player at very much the wrong time at Manchester United. Okay. You know? Well, earlier this morning on The Breakfast Show, Gabby Agbonlahor gave his opinion on the news that Paul Popper could be available for as little as £8 million. This is what he had to say. When you're talking about Harry Kane, similar age, you know, Harry Kane's 29, is he? Mm-hmm. Pogba's 30, Lukaku 30 as well. £8 million. I mean, He's just, been injured. He's not, just... he's not he's, he's had 20 bad games for Juventus. He's been injured, injury problems, getting fit. Eight million for a lot of clubs in the Premier League. That's just pocket change, isn't pocket, it? Especially so, now, that, yeah. that, that's a month's wages for some exactly. of the players now in the Premier League. So, would you have him at Aston Villa? I would, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah I would he be definitely. a regular? Um, if he got back to the fitness that um, we know we can get to, I think he could break into Aston Villa side. Yeah, he's still got that flair, that eye for a pass, eye for a goal. I rate, I rate Paul Pogba. I rate him. I think means- he's a bit of a. You know, he was a bit of a target, wasn't he, for some Man United fans? You know, especially just, Alex Crook. Just needs a bit of love, doesn't he? <laughs> That's what it's about. Crook, he didn't like him, I don't think. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a second. Um, Juventus willing to sell him for around about 10 million euros, approximately eight, eight and a half million pounds this summer. Um, he played just 10 times since returning to the Italian Cup on a free transfer in the summer. Danny, what has happened to this talented, multifaceted midfield player who bossed the World Cup in 2018? Well, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I would anticipate a mixture of things. So physically, he's obviously struggled with injuries, which never helps you because you're not on the pitch and you're not contributing. 
mentally he's probably been through the mill irrelevant of the facade that some players put on it takes its toll continually listening to people criticizing you judging you and poking you really so and then of course there's a you know a, a, a debate really around where the motivation lies moving forward to somebody who's so wealthy had so so much success um, and if you don't have the motivation and desire to get to back to the level you know you're capable then that's going to also affect your output so i think it's a mixture of things i i wouldn't personally i look i'll, I'll validate what i'm going to say first by saying that his talent is unquestionable some of the things he can do on a football pitch is just what i love to watch vision some of his passing some of his skill set he's got everything he needs to be whatever he wanted to be we've seen the, the best of him but he for me would be a liability moving forward because he doesn't seem to be able to stay on the pitch. And that is it for me. And now, you could do your research on his personality, and a lot of people say he's a good guy. A lot of other lads have a, speak really well about him. Mm. So maybe he's not as troublesome as people make out. But but I certainly wouldn't be investing a huge chunk of my wages, uh, my my budget as a football club, on his wages. If you if you talk about Gab's son about Villa, I wouldn't want to risk because you'd have to pay him... I mean, you'd have to be paying him probably more than anyone else at Villa, wouldn't you, as an example? I don't think he's going to go there anyway, but I wouldn't be risking that much money on a player who's never on the pitch. Why couldn't he do a job in the Premier League? Well, he's not fit. Danny's right, it's not about talent. It never has been about talent with Paul Pogba. It's always been about mentality and application, because you're right, that World Cup, he was absolutely outstanding. But those performances were in short supply at Manchester United. And the question you have to ask yourself, why are Juventus willing to cut ties with him. If he's that good a player, why are they willing to let him leave for £8 million? Pounds? Well, it's not just the £8 million cookie as well, it's the wage bill. Yeah. And, and, he, and that probably is, is their main motivator. But if they felt like Paul Pogba... He earns £8 million a year. Could 37 get, could days as a hamstring injury. 38 days as tearing an adductor muscle. 26 days of the groin strain. 79 days with a thigh muscle strain last year. That's the reason why they let him go. I, I question how much Paul Pogba wants to be that top-level player anymore. I, I think, you know, Danny's right. He's achieved what he what he wanted to achieve probably in terms of the trophies that he's won he's obviously a very wealthy man does he have the drive and determination to get back to the level I'm not sure he does well, I certainly wouldn't have him back at Manchester he's United. rejected a, an offer apparently from a Saudi club that's going to play him 100 million pounds over three years so money obviously clearly isn't his main motivation if that was the case he would go and sign a contract there he probably does want to play football and prove that he can get back to full fitness I mean he did produce some particularly impressive performances over the course of his career, not only in that World Cup in Russia, but he was a four-time Serie A winner. If you go back to Manchester United, he was there at a time where the club were in a bit of a funk. His Let's be completely were, clear. His, his creativity in terms of his numbers at United wasn't bad, assists and all that. No, I mean, but he, he was meant to be the driving yeah, he force. Was. And he wasn't. You, know, you can hide behind the fact he played in a bad team, but yeah. top players, Harry Kane carried Tottenham last year. But when Paul they won Pogba the 2017 Europa League final, he scored the winning goal played in all 14 games. He definitely carried them through during the match which was to decide the title at Manchester City when at half-time City were 2-0 up and they were getting the, the fireworks ready to celebrate the title. Well, that was him and Alexis bench, Sanchez, And they ended that. up winning the game He had a point two. to prove that, didn't he? I've been left on the bench and that kind of backs up what well, I'm saying. We might have a point to prove now. You know, a motivated Pogba is a great player but he's not motivated Well, the proof, the proof will be in the pudding and I would love, actually, to see him move somewhere where he's all he's thinking about is I want to be the main man I want to play and I'm going to you can build this team around I'd love to see that mm. because it's so refreshing he's 30 years of age which is nothing exactly you know I had five good years in the prem 30 to 35 was probably my strongest in terms of where I was at mentally in able, being able to understand what I could do and what not I mean he needs to find a home where he's loved I was going to say he needs wanted, to be loved but the mountain isn't too big mm. and what I mean by that is you put him in a team where he's 
the main man, the best player, if you like, in terms of everything he's done and his talent, and he's expected to carry them. I don't see that. I think he's going to be better suited going into a team with other high-quality players where he can ease his way in and be part of something successful. But which club is going to take a risk on him based on his recent two seasons? Do you think that you contributed to his downfall by not loving him enough? <laughs> I don't think he felt loved at Manchester United. You certainly didn't feel loved by Jose Mourinho. Or you. No, I didn't because I expected what did you a lot say more. About him earlier on, on the breakfast show, which was a bit disrespectful, wasn't it? What did you say? Remind me. You said he wouldn't get into a... I, what, what I said what was, I never actually said that on what air. What did you say? <laughs> I said that what I wouldn't put him on my pub team, let yeah, alone my exactly Premier League dis- team. How disrespectful is that? I, I think I, I, would, <laughs> I would not judge his personality too much because I don't know and I've not got anyone close enough to him to give me definitive answers on that. But I do think with players who are injured, my personal belief, players who are injured a hell of a lot over a period of a long time have a weak mentality. Yeah. And that's what I'm, I'd agree I genuinely with that. believe that because I've seen it. Because if you've got a, if you have a big massive injury like a cruciate, I get it. You know you're out, and then you have a niggle or two coming mm. back. But you're reading out a list there of some things that don't doesn't sound right. So it, there's a, some players become comfortable with being injured and take the easy option because they're sick of the pressure at high. You know I've seen it, and I I don't like that weak mentality. I've been around players who would play. I mean, groin strain is a very generic thing, but thigh strain, all those things. You know, it's come on. You can't be out that long with all. I mean, you you need to. You, do you know what? I, I'll tell you a quick story. But years ago, and and everyone was really shocked by it. It was in Julia, very early tenure of Gerard Julia. He banned a few players from the treatment room. So I'll give you just give you context. Treatment room and uh, the training ground, Melwood, was a place where injured players go. But it was also a place players would venture into. Bit socially. Bit socially. Oh, I'll have a rub. Oh, yeah, that's a bit sore. You know, like, find yourself in there a lot. a good guy. Fitness yeah, coach is fun. Yeah, we're you know. in there. People were in there. And a couple of players had been injured, then training, and injured, then training. And it, it was three of them, I think it was, or maybe four. He, one morning, we had a meeting, and he went, you are banned. You're banned, you're banned, and you're banned. I don't want to see you in that treatment room. You're not allowed in. And everyone was like, whoa. That, and it started ringing true with me that some players are comfortable in there. Mm. And I never used, I, I didn't like being in there because it made me think, oh, they'll find something here. You know, it's just, they'll find something wrong with me. And I think the amount of injuries he's had over a period of time suggests he's either not bothered, which I wouldn't want to accuse him of, but I think there's a bit of a weak mentality there. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Clipping it in, and it's tapped in for six. I can't this. His first goal for his country. You want to play week in, week out, and and whatever whatever player you are, as much as you train hard, and you know you're not going to get in that midfield, are you? I feel for Calvin Phillips because he's very, you know, he's totally wholehearted. He's obviously desperate to come on, and he keeps on warming up and not coming on. He didn't play too often for Manchester City last season, just made four appearances for City before leaving for Qatar in November to play for England in the World Cup. He was, uh, in total, on the pitch 21 times for the club in all competitions last season, but started just four of those and only played 593 minutes in total in all competitions. Let's hear from the Manchester City and England midfielder who has been speaking uh, to our reporter, Ollie Klink. It's funny hearing you say there that you've learned more about football than you'd even imagine because it sounds a lot like Jack Grealish at the end of uh, his first season as well and there have been some comparisons about that there's a comparison of, of that in the documentary as well we hear from Jack Grealish do you agree with what 
Jack was saying that you guys are very similar and that it has been quite a shared experience in terms of your first season at City. Yeah, 100%. You know, I've known Jack for years. I've played against him for years and, you know, he's a very much a family man as well. Loves his family, keeps him very close. And um, he's obviously had his tough times, you know, when he was younger as well. So his career paths have taken basically the same step, but just a, a year apart. You know, I kind of look at Jack and just think, you know, he's my inspiration in this part because, you know, he had a tough first year and, you know, so did I. And, you know, his second year came out flying. So, um, Looking forward, obviously, to getting pre-season started and, you know, hopefully I can turn things around. Uh, there is uh, Calvin <laughs> Phillips speaking to uh, Ollie Click uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, who said that he was using Jack Grealish as an inspiration. We'll talk a little bit about some of the comments that Pep Guardiola made about him a little bit later on, Danny. But should he be using Jack Grealish as an inspiration? Because Jack Grealish in his first season, after his £100 million move, played 47 games. It's not comparable. I understand why he's trying to find that for a use it for inspiration, but it's not comparable because what Jack Grealish did is learn on the job by playing football. And although his first season wasn't as uh, pro uh, productive and as successful as his second, he's still out there learning. Look, you don't learn anywhere near as much on the training pitch as you do on the football pitch. I'm telling you that now. It doesn't matter who you're training with and who's coaching you. You can learn, but you educate yourself on the football pitch more than anywhere else. That's where you learn. In in the pressurised situations, trying to deliver in big games with other players around you, all playing at high intensity. Training doesn't give you that. So, if I was him, I think you'd have to be realistic and understand that um, it hasn't worked. And actually, yeah, okay, if he wants to give up another year doing the same thing, fair enough, that's up to him. If he's had a conversation with Pep, maybe we don't know about that, look, I'm going to use you more, then of course you're going to stay. It's the most successful team. But I personally... If I went a season at any club where I was playing that little, I left and manufactured a way out. And let's let's be right about it. He's a good player. There'll be plenty of takers for him. He's a good player, but he's not a great player, is he? I mean, I remember when he made the move last summer, I, I said on this programme, he's not Manchester City quality for me. He's, he's not Champions Why League quality. Why did they quality. sign him then? I don't know. Homegrown quota, perhaps? But it seemed a strange move at the time. With that, with, but with I've just checked, just checked the stats there. Cole Palmer actually played more Premier League games than Calvin Phillips last season. Slightly he, different he's, position, isn't But it? he's looking to leave. He wants to go out and play <laughs> regularly. So, you know, Cole Palmer's not happy just picking up his wages and, and watching for the bench. Calvin Phillips in a season at the end of which there's going to be a European Championship. He needs to be out playing he's regular, regular first-team football. I spoke to him at the end of the last season. In fact, when they picked up the trophy on that uh, Sunday against Chelsea. He seems like a great lad, by the way. I nice sat man. down with him. He was chatting to me about it and he was saying, look, I've, I found it really difficult. I found it hard. I walked into the training ground and I had a little bit of imposter syndrome. Yeah, that's I normal. walked in and I thought, what on earth am I doing here? And then I started to listen to Pep and I was taking on all this information and I couldn't take it all on. It's taken me time to absorb so much over the course of the year. And he's hoping that next year's going to be better. Remember when he turned up at Manchester City, he was injured. He had a shoulder injury, which plagued him in the first well, he's part of the season. He's never played a full season, and anywhere. He, and, and fitness problems have dogged him. He's never played a full season in his career. Is so, he the new Scott Sinclair? Now, different, different. Slightly di different. Yeah, slightly it? different. I, I, I like him. I think he's a talented player. He's an intelligent footballer. But I'm, I'm with you, Crookie, a little bit. I've, is he capable of going another step, which is why they sport him City? He probably felt, we can see something in him. We can, we can elevate him to a better player that suits us. And I think the truth behind it is that Pep's trained with him, watched him and thought, no. And that's fine. 
That's not. A, that's all right. That's not just because you're not Man City level. You're not able to nudge out. This is the team just won the treble. Well, you're not able to nudge out Rodri, Gundogan, Bernardo Silva, all these De Bruyne. You can't nudge them out. But he you may don't... get an extra opportunity next year. Bearing in mind that Gundogan has left and Bernardo Silva may end up leaving the club and going off to. Well, to they've got Kovacic, who's going to so play. They've got ahead of Kovacic him. there, and they've got Rodri. So they've replaced one. And if two are going out, then well, maybe the other one hasn't gone yet, and you can't. And if Bernardo Silva does leave, there's absolutely no way they won't bring in another. And they were willing to pay decent money for Declan Rice. So he would have been ahead of Phillips in the pecking order had that deal gone through. Um, listening to Calvin Phillips' story, it shows it's not just as biased uh, as a biased Arsenal fan, but it's so refreshing from Declan Rice not to take an easy route to go to City, but by wanting to go and challenge him. That's from Greg. And James, the Arsenal fan, says, I can only assume that Calvin Phillips moved for the money. Unless he is completely deluded, he must have known he would not get into that City squad. They've now signed Kovacic. He'll be third or fourth choice. You need to be playing games. He'll be another Jack Rodwell or... Ross Barkley um, which um, I'm sure he doesn't want to happen during a European Championship uh, season he did say um, that he was a little bit uh, perturbed by the comments that were made by Pep Guardiola after the World Cup when he suggested they'd come back overweight he said it was a little hard to take but mainly because it was a talking point for everybody else and he, he sort of shrugged it off in the interview he did yesterday he's promoted a documentary but hinted that there was more to come about that in the documentary uh, did, did Guardiola make a little bit of a mistake being a little bit loose with his tongue during that period? I think it would have been better if he just said he, he didn't feel like he'd come back in a good place to fitness play, fitness-wise to play. You know, because fitness ain't always about your weight. It, your mentality and where you're at in your head can affect your fitness. You know, you can be in a, I wouldn't say a dark place, but you can be in a, a, a place mentally where it affects your physicality. You know, you know that in everyday life. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I think he could have dealt with it better, Pep. But also, on the flip side... I was always somebody, and most of the, the top players I played around were very resilient characters, and they were all very good at reacting to criticism, whether it be publicly and, and privately. But so, life is different now, isn't it? I mean, you know, the new generation new generation of players are dealt with differently to the way that players were dealt with in your generation. I think, I think there's, there's a degree of truth in that. My, my feeling is that the top-level football is that people like Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola are still very, very demanding and verbally will go there with players that you probably don't think. And I, I would imagine that some of those players in the top-level dressing rooms are still having big ding-dongs with coaches and managers week in, week out to get the best out of each other because that's what top-level passionate footballers do. I, I can't go down the line of thinking we've completely gone backwards into this you know, nice, calm debate and an and intellectual... Everyone's got the emotional intelligence to actually talk things through you know, forensically and, and correctly. It's a lot more prevalent than it was in your It's day, more prevalent, yeah. But and and I think there's there's been a, a a lean towards the way coaches speak to players from a younger age, etc., which I don't necessarily think is a good thing because I don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not into bullying, but I am certainly somebody who believes that a lot of people and I see even see it with the young players in the lads I coach or help to coach. I some of them definitely respond better to a kick up the bum. It's interesting how those comments are perceived, though, because I remember when Jose Mourinho was accused of fat-shaming Luke Shaw and the word bullying was used, whereas Pep Guardiola got a bit of an easier ride from the media when he made well, those comments not, about not, Calvin Phillips. You, bully, bullying is perception. In some United hat off again. Bullying is perception, isn't it? So, for example, if you said to me as a friend, or if you as a manager, if you say, if Pep said to me, or my manager said to me, you know, you're not ready, I think you're overweight, and I took it, Fine, I said, right, I'll do, I'll do something about it. If you think that, I'll lose a bit. Mm. Julier said it to me when I was 
I wasn't playing regularly. When you need to lose some more weight, if you're going to play right or left midfield, you're not going to play central. You know, you're going to have to play right or left to get in the team regularly. You got to get fitter, so you need to lose some weight. I just, uh, all right, you're the, if that's what it's going to take, I'm, I'm in. How, how do we do it? And you're right about how different players respond because I remember Ricky Lambert telling me his light bulb moment was Alan Pardew called him out in a training session in front of his Southampton teammates and said, you're a disgrace. You know, he was eating curries on a Friday night before a game. He was drinking too many pints. And Alan Pardew obviously felt the way to deal with that was to out him in front of his teammates. All of a sudden, Ricky Lambert gets himself lean. He gets himself fit. He, he gets himself squad. in the England squad. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Outspoken with White and Jordan. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Uppercut from Fury, followed by the left hand and another right. Down goes Diolanda, and the referee has waved the fight over. We want to make fights happen for our guys, and Tyson's been training constantly for a fight, so it'll be a massive game changer. I'm the boxing heavyweight champion. UFC heavyweight champion. And we're going to find out who is the baddest motherfucker on the planet. With a gun! Goes the ring! Francis Ngannou has arrived! One of the most electric fighters in the world, and Dana White was only paying him 500k. He deserves big payday. Big, strong guy, full of muscles, and very accurate, and very big puncher. So, you know, it would definitely make for an interesting brawl, that's for sure. Isn't Francis Ngannou a game changer? I guarantee you, you're saying to me in a couple of weeks. That's a game changer. You're listening to Talk Sports, I'm Matterface. 
uh, Alex Crook and Danny Murphy, and uh, you heard there uh, the announcements and the discussions around Tyson Fury uh, talking uh, about his fight against a UFC fighter rather than one of the top heavyweights in boxing. Yesterday, Tyson's promoter, Frank Warren, joined the drive show to explain why Fury has decided to end up taking a fight against Francis Ngannou on the 28th of October in Saudi Arabia. Tyson in, in with the best he can fight, but unfortunately, they're not available. So, what? So, what's he got to do? Sit on his backside, and we're told we got to wait to this. We basically got to wait to de be determined when skill set challenge can put a fight on in 2024. Involving, forget that we're not sitting around on our back. If this doesn't happen, Tyson has got a fight, and he's got a fight now. This, this is a crossover event, this is a big event. And don't tell me people won't buy it. Be, of course there'll be people, some people. Some people will be upset, and I understand that, and I'll get them. But you've got to understand what it is. And what it is for us is a game changer. It's a game changer as an event, and it's a game changer because Saudi Arabia is no longer exclusive. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's basically prize fighting. Because ultimately, the bout in Wrotslaw, which is between Dubois and Usyk, is settled. AJ White... Two is settled. Um, they've tried desperately to get these big fights between Fury and AJ and Fury and Usyk off the ground. It just never seems to come. And now Francis Ngannou, who's got a brilliant backstory, by the way, fantastic mm. backstory, is going to get his opportunity to fight the heavyweight champion of the world. The, 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 the issue here, here is, Danny, that this isn't, isn't a real fight, is it? I mean, this is a UFC fighter going into a ring, taking on a boxer. The last time we saw this was Conor McGregor against uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr. and it was just a circus. There's no jeopardy in it. There's nothing on there's nothing on the on the line. I won't watch it personally. I like I love Tyson Fury by the way. What he's what he's done, what he's come back from, what he's achieved. This ain't about being critical towards him for taking a a huge amount of money to to do an exhibition fight in, in effect. It's I, not an exhibition fight, he says. No, it, well, it takes is. place under the official rules. I know, of but it is. With it? three judges ringside adopting the ten point system. No, you know what I mean. Yeah, um, I, I know exactly what you mean. It, but it feels like it to. feels like an exhibition. It feels like a bit of a you know a, it's a cash cow, a cash cow, it's a, a gap filler. I I I still struggle with the boxing thing because I, I obviously I listen to a lot of it when I do when I'm on Simon and Jim's show and boxing's very well covered there when when they're on in here I should say this is Simon and Jim's show but you know what I mean <laughs> um and I I struggle with the fact the concept of the fighters not having more say and saying to the people who they pay they they employ and they get their way you know like their their talent is what's paying everyone else around them even the promoters get the fights done Fury Joshua we've been meaning it's become a even if he fights him next year we wanted to see that when they were both in the pomp mm. Usyk Josh, could have got used, could have got Tyson Fury and Usyk done just a bit of renegotiation a bit of and give and the take problem, there's no point in taking your frustration out on Tyson Fury and, and Francis Ngannou about taking this fight don't hate the players hate the game the yeah, fact yeah. Is, yeah. is that those around them are not doing what they're supposed to do is that what doing. you used to say in your dating years <laughs> <laughs> it's great it for was, Ngannou that was what you used it's, to say it's, wasn't it it's, it's great for Ngannou but yeah I'm with Danny I won't be I won't be watching it nah you say that, but a lot of people will be watching it because this is another text coming from Rob. He says it's a cash grab, a glorified spa, rate Fury really highly, but you can't defend this as an as it's not a game changer. It's absolute tosh. The issue is Fury makes more money doing this than fighting a guy in the top 10, 20. That's the issue. That's the problem. That's the problem. Boxing has got itself into this situation where the, the fights for the... the that Fury could take now are not attractive. They're he not did retire though, enough. didn't he? Yeah, could he, could he not retired. just stay retired? But also, sometimes he comes out with some ridiculous things. And I notice actually 
that he's already started to to say things slurring in Garnu, using his homelessness against him, which I don't think is appropriate, by the way. It's not bright, especially when there's not soaring necessary. number of homelessness in this country. But this is a guy who's actually whose journey is unbelievable. You know, he was homeless in in, in Spain after uh, moving through France, ended up getting his chance in the UFC. But it was it, his story is actually one of inspiration, and the fact that Fury has come out with those comments already seems to be a little bit. Well, not only disingenuous, but it's just un- unnecessary. We've moved on from that. And I, I think sometimes I, you can alienate people. By I'm looking out at of boxing at the moment, and, I, and as a lot, a lot of people might disagree, but I think the general wouldn't. Is the the fight's coming up? Usyk Dubois, Usyk's going to beat him comfortably. He's a skilled talent. You know, he's not going to have a problem. No. Joshua, well, you wouldn't have thought so, though. You know, no. there is jeopardy in it because Dubois but has got li- something a, in a it. A little bit. A little bit, maybe that that would be the one that has a little bit that might get some interest. Joshua Dillon White. Done him before. Dillian, oh, t- Dillian did him in the amateurs. Yeah, but that's a long time ago. And Dillian turned up in that big fight against Fury under pressure and didn't even throw a punch. I don't remember. Yeah, but there, there's every chance that. They, but she, people say this because they want to. They want to try and get the fight. I'm not trying to elevate the fight. Well, you, you I are, think it's the end. I think. I think this. This is this is that one's got jeopardy because those two people are fighting for their well, careers. We'll see. But uh, yeah, maybe. I, I, it doesn't excite me compared to what would excite me watching Joshua Wilder, watching Fu- Fury Usyk. Does this excite you, Fury versus Ngannou? That excites me ab- about as much as thinking about Careful. Crookie in your bath having a drink. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, you, what an image that what, is. What, what do you make of it? As you said, it's a circus. Uh, you know, great for Ngannou, given his backstory. Apart from... A heap of cash. I don't really see what Tyson Fury's got to gain out of it, and I don't think it's great for the sport of boxing. Is it desperation from uh, Frank Rowan to get a fight involving Fury onto the agenda? Well, he hasn't had a fight, has he? So he, he hasn't uh, had a fight he, for a year. Even that wasn't really a fight, really. So easy for him. Um, so he's got to keep him active. But will this really keep him that motivated in his training camp? It's dangerous as well, isn't it? Dangerous for Ngannou. Yeah, yeah. Potentially, they'll have an agreement before they go in. Then it makes it even worse, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, but they're going to look after each other, aren't they? It's basically, don't, don't it's basically worry, WWE. I will, yeah, I won't take your head off for a few rounds and then nearly, you know, I'm sure that's what goes on. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave a review wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show.